So uh, I wasn't paying attention to Chris during the announcements because I know everything is going on anyway. But did he talk about the Holy Spirit Youth Night coming up this Saturday night? Chris, you're fired. So this Saturday night, teenagers, junior high and high school at Pastor Mike and Aurelia's home, Holy Spirit Youth Night. We had one of those recently, and the kids just got toasted. It was awesome. For those of you who don't know that terminology, that means the Holy Spirit came upon them in an amazing way. We call it toasted. So uh, this Saturday night, you want to be a part of that. And, uh, and then, um, of course, next Sunday, we're going to do the baptism right before the eat and greet. Where there's also a praise gathering coming up uh, in a couple of weeks. And uh, that's where we, we come together with other churches. And we just spend a couple hours worshiping uh, the Lord. His presence is always just powerful in those, um, in those um, gatherings. And then uh, also, if you're new here to the gathering place and you would like to learn more about us, we uh, do something called Getting to Know the Gathering Place, and it's a luncheon, and, uh, um, and I, I take you through uh, what we believe, why we're here, what our vision is, how you can plug into it. So you really want to be a part of that. If nothing else, you get a free lunch. Everybody loves free lunches. And so that'll be uh, coming up in a few weeks. But today we launch a brand new series called 40 Days of Hope. When I was praying about our new series a while ago, what, what the Lord wants to do next. I really felt this theme of hope come up me up in me, but I dismissed it. And so we were headed a different direction. But then four or five times the Lord gave me very clear confirmation that he actually wanted us to go with the theme of hope. Which tells me that we need hope. Then Jan Lennington, one of our senior leaders, sent me a link to some churches in East County that have come together for a, a series called 40 Days of Hope. I said, well, that's the Lord, and that's what we're going to do. So um, you can go to 40daysofhope.net, and you can see all sorts of wonderful things going on. Prayer meetings all over the city, praise gatherings all over the city, service projects going all over the city. So um, you can participate in any of that that you want, but we're going to be doing some specific things here at the gathering place. But here's what I hope <laughs> more than anything else during this series beginning right now. Is that for those of you who feel hopeless in any area of your life, that by the time we're done with this series, you will have hope like an anchor. In fact, that's why we have, you'll notice that I've chosen an anchor we have as the image for this 40 days of hope. Because we'll get to it in a moment, but the Bible actually says that hope in God is the anchor of your soul. So I want to jump right in here. I want us to pray together and let's open ourselves up and let God do a wonderful work in us over the next couple of months. Lord, thank you so much that you lead us by your spirit, that you are the God of hope, and that there's not a hopeless situation that you cannot inject your divine hope into and show how wonderful you truly are. So I pray, we pray, Lord, as a congregation, that every Sunday we come together and every week all the way through this series that the hope level in this house and in our hearts rise and rises and rises until where it ought to be so that we can truly be hope carriers wherever we go, giving hope to the hopeless. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. 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 So, as I said, you can see that we chose an anchor as the image for our new series. You know what an anchor does? An anchor has two primary purposes. 
It is to keep you from drifting off course and to keep you stable in a storm. Anchors keep you from drifting and drowning. And many times an anchor is the only thing that will save you in a storm. When the winds and the waves are threatening to take you off course and dash you against the rocks, it may be your only hope. I remember when I was 19 years old and my girlfriend's uh, family invited me to go on their family vacation. So we, we go out to, out to a lake and there was this little, little boat that was big enough for two. And it had a little sail on it. And, of course, I wanted to prove my machismo. So she said, do you know how to, do you know how to, like, you know, steer a sailboat? You know, a sailboat. Two people fit in it. I said, of course. I had no idea. And this is a huge lake. And in the middle of the lake was this little tiny island that you couldn't hit if you tried. You guys know the end of the story, right? I did not know how to navigate a sailboat, and sure enough, we kept getting closer and closer to it, and I assured her over and over I knew what I was doing until we ran ashore in the middle of this lake on this tiny little island. It was demoralizing. I still haven't recovered. But that's the way it is in life. I mean, we set our course. We think we have life handled. We have everything under control, and then the winds and the storms of life hit, and threatened to knock us off course. Many of you have ran aground. Have you ever been so overwhelmed in life that you have truly gotten knocked off course? You felt like you were going to drown in depression or fear or loneliness, financial despair, shame. Anybody ever felt that way? We all have. In fact, some of you have been dashed against the rocks of life. Divorce, death of a loved one, betrayal of a friend, bankruptcy, a wayward child. Maybe at times you have felt absolutely hopeless. We all have. It's one of the worst feelings in the world. In fact, the truth is you and I cannot live without hope. We were designed for hope. Hope is expecting something good in the future. And then you add your faith to that and your energies to that and you Reach for an expected end, a dream, a desire. And the Bible literally says this about living hopeless. Hope deferred, Proverbs thirteen twelve. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. How many of you have ever experienced a sick heart from a dashed dream? Raise your hand. See that? We live in a broken world. And many times our dreams are dashed and promises are broken and it leaves us depressed Angry, frustrated, and hopeless. And this is the condition of our world. And it has been since the Garden of Eden. And it, and it seems to be getting worse. I don't have to tell you that. Just look at your news feed, right? The world is a hopeless place. It is just chaos. But here's the problem. Here's the problem. We put our hope in the wrong places. It's just what we do. We put our hope in people. We put our hope in politics. Can't deny that one, can you? In fact, every four years is a litmus test of where our hope truly is as followers of Jesus Christ. We put our hope in position, in power. 
and accumulation of wealth, our retirement vehicles. But the reality is all of these things are fickle. They all change with the wind. The Bible says if wealth increases, don't set your hope on them because they take like wings and fly away. And when the places we put our hope in this fickle, temporary, changing world don't pan out, then we end up trying to salve our pain with medication, the bottle, drugs, multiple relationships. But there's only one place you and I can truly ever find hope that will never disappoint. And that is in Jesus. He is the rock of ages. He never changes. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Will you say that with me? Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Say it again. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's what the Bible says about him. He is our rock. See, the reality is we unhooked our spiritual moorings from the dock in the Garden of Eden. And we've been drifting away from God ever since. All these battles we have in the earth about values and fairness, all of the battles, every time I listen to the battles and the pundits and the people on different sides of the issues go at it, I keep thinking to myself, the only reason we are having arguments is because we have unhooked our moorings from God. God is not confused about any of the issues that we fight about in the earth. And if all of us and the whole human race would line up with the Father in heaven, on earth as it is in heaven, it would be clarity in every realm of life. But when we unhook ourselves from God and Him being our hope, Him being the rudder to our ship, the wind in our sails, in a democracy, the majority rules. But I would not trust the majority. I wouldn't trust the minority. I would only trust God. In the, whole, in the world, there's three types of hope. One is wishful thinking. I hope I win the lottery. Right? Right? That's wishful thinking. You have, more, you have better chances of getting hit by lightning than winning the lottery. It's true. I mean, factually. It's raining today. I don't know. Go outside. Number two is optimism. And I'm an optimistic person. But the reality is optimism is based in what? Is anchored in what? Well, my feelings, my perceptions. I just believe everything's going to turn out all right. But optimism can't control the world. Optimism can't control the behavior of another person. Optimism, it's very, very good to live optimistically. But if you're Hope is anchored in your optimism. That means you believe that you can control the world and you cannot. Then there's the third type of hope, and that is hope in God. And this is our foundational scripture right here. Will you read this out loud with me? This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast. The Bible says that hope in God is sure and steadfast. It's not wishful thinking and it's not optimism. It's a fact. And did you know that the Bible says that one of God's names is actually the God of hope? 
Look at this scripture. Read this out loud with me. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's read that again. Come on, out loud. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's our source of hope right there. You're going to go through storms in life. It's unavoidable. Jesus said so. And it's critical that you anchor yourself in God. And you say, well, how can I do that? I mean, God's invisible. How do you anchor yourself in God? I'm going to give you five anchors in God today. And we're going to, I'm, going to, I'm going to do like a rock and skip it over the lake. I shouldn't use the lake terminology right now. It brings your memory back to my inability to steer a sailboat. I'm going to skip a rock over the waters right now and hit five anchors. And then we're going to dig down deeper into them over the next six to eight weeks. And then we're going to culminate on Easter, the hope of the world. And I, and what I pray is that beginning today that you'll begin praying about who you're going to invite to the Easter service. So the people you know that are in your circle of influence who are far from Jesus can come to know him on Resurrection Sunday right here at the gathering place. So five sources of hope, five anchors of hope. Are you ready? Are you ready? All right. Number one, the first anchor in God is the promises of God. The promises of God are much greater than the promises of people. Life is littered with broken promises. I mean, everyone who said, I do at the altar, had best intentions. But we haven't all experienced the best intentions, have we? But instead, we have experienced the pain of shipwrecked dreams due to the person's character. Or business dealings. You go into business deal, especially maybe with another Christian brother or sister. I mean, you see a fish on the advertisement. And you think, oh, I can put my hope And that brother or sister, because they're a believer, they're a follower of Jesus, they will deal with integrity. How many of you have found out that fish can be deceiving? Right? The the fish was actually a shark, as someone said. And 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 it's painful. It's disillusioning. I mean, you you think you can put your trust in somebody, put your hope in someone, that they'll deal, deal fairly, and then they don't. Or maybe in a friendship, where you thought you could trust that friend. And they betrayed you. And it's devastating. A promise is only as good as the character of the one giving the promise. Which is why it's really good to turn to God. Biblical hope is based on God's promises. And God's promises are based on God's character. And the Bible says God cannot lie. Boom. I'm going to say that again. Biblical hope is based on God's promises, and God's promises are based on God's character, and the Bible says that God cannot lie. Look at this passage, Numbers twenty three nineteen. God is not a man that he should lie, or son of man that he should repent. Has he said, and will he not do? Has he spoken, and will he not make it good? 
I pray over the next couple of months that our hope will get will draw narrower and narrower and closer and closer into God until by the time we're done with this series, all of us in this house can say, my hope is not in people or politicians or power or positions. My hope is in God and God alone. And I'm preaching to me too. All right, this is for all of us. Because I live in the earth too, just like you. There's over 7,000 promises in the Bible. God's promises anchor your mind. I was hoping I were having lunch with Brian and Sissy Riley recently. And Sissy's in the military and she was stationed in Cuba for nine months. She has a husband, she has three children, and she's in Cuba for nine months. That was a long time, wasn't it, Brian? Man, I don't know how long, I don't know how your family survived on frozen dinners for nine months, but... She gets back, and then she accidentally signed a piece of paper that was sending her to Africa for a year. And she was freaking out, but not as much as Brian was. And she calls, she calls the person up who oversees this, and they said, you signed it. You know, here it is, right here. And she said, and she said can I get out of this, please? And she said, this lady said, I have never seen ever in the history of me being in this position in the military, ever seen um, orders overturned. So she, her mind was racing. Her mind was racing with fear and anxiety and worry. And that night she's laying in bed, and all of a sudden the promises of God started rising up in her because while she was in Cuba, she said she spent every day in the Word of God. If you're not spending time in the Bible, you don't have a chance of having hope in your mind. Because your thoughts are going to run wild and there's no scripture in there. There's no promises of God in your brain for you to grab a hold of as an anchor to your soul. And so these promises of God's sovereignty start coming up in her mind. And all of a sudden she thought, wait a minute. God is sovereign. If he wants me in Africa, I'll be in Africa. Sorry, Brian. And if he doesn't want me in Africa, I'm not going to Africa. And she put her hope in God. And the next morning, she got an email saying that your orders have been terminated. But she, but she found peace in her mind before the answer to the prayers came. Because her mind was anchored in the promises of God. I pray over the next 40 days that you will get into the Word of God every single day. Number two is not only, uh, number one is not only the promises of God, but number two, prayer to God. Look what Jesus Christ said, Luke 18, 1. Always pray. Everybody say that out loud. Yeah. And look at this last part. Say it out loud. And never lose hope. Do you think they're connected? Do you think they're connected? That's one sentence. Let's say it again out loud. Always pray and never lose hope. See, just like the Bible anchors your mind... Prayer anchors your emotions. Look what the book of Ephesians says, or Philippians says. The Apostle Paul, who spent much of his life in prison. Don't worry, oh, by the way, doing the will of God. Don't worry about some things. There are some things I understand that are so big that God is even intimidated. And Jesus is worried to the bone. And the Holy Spirit doesn't know what to do. About those things, okay. But that's how we live, so let's get real. 
Let's see what the Bible says. Don't worry about what? Oh, man, wouldn't it be great to live that way? Don't worry about anything. Instead, oh, there's another option? Yeah. Pray about, say it. Man, that, that right there should be our mantra. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Mark preaches brilliantly out of this passage. Maybe he'll do this one when we dig deeper. Then you will experience God's peace. Then you will experience God's peace. You remember I said prayer anchors your emotions? And you got to pray. Don't pray till you're through. Pray until you are through. In other words, you can pray. I find when I start praying, I actually get more anxious. Because I start thinking about the problem. I've got to pray until God gets bigger than the problem. Until my soul connects with the bigness of God. That's for me, it's called praying through. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. See that? It's got to get beyond your mind freaking out about the problem. It's got to get beyond the natural. That's what prayer is. It is not looking to see in the natural if there's a solution to my natural problem. Prayer is going beyond the natural because there are no solutions in the natural to a supernatural resource called God. Amen. Okay. I'll I'll give it to myself. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Look what the psalmist says, and this is the bridge that you guys will play next week. Why are you cast down, O my soul? This is the psalmist talking to his own soul. Why are you cast down, John? And why are you disquieted within me? Oh, because of who's in, who's in power. Oh, because of my boss. Oh, because of my spouse. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Hope in Come on, God, for I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. I love this passage. Look at this. I found this this week. First Chronicles. For they cried out to God in the battle. How many of you are in a battle? Just raise your hands. You're in a battle. Anybody in a battle here? I don't know. Financial battle, physical battle, relational battle, political battle. Anybody in a battle? Yeah. Anybody ever been in a battle? Anybody think they're ever going to be in another battle? Or is it smooth sailing between now and the day you see Jesus face to face? They cried out to in the battle. He heeded their prayer because they put their trust in him. For many fell dead because the war was God. Now, now some of you are going to apply this, right, to your life because you want to see people fall dead. Many fell dead because the war was God's. The war wasn't God's until they put their hope in him. You see that? You see that? They cried out to God in the middle of the battle. This is the prayer piece. Prayer to God is one of the anchors of hope. In the middle of the battle, they cried out to God. God heard them because they put their trust in him, and then many died because the battle was God's. It wasn't God's until they invoked his presence in the middle of their battle. Woo! Mufasa. Prayer anchors your emotions. 
I pray that over the next 40 days that you will pray every day. Let this next 40 days be a recalibration for your spiritual life. Get into the Word of God every day to anchor your mind. Pray every day to anchor your emotions. And then thirdly, the third anchor in God is the presence of God. You might say, how can the presence of God anchor me? Because God's presence affirms to you that you are never alone. Look what the psalmist says. Because you won't abandon my life. Do you know a survey was taken recently by, uh, of hundreds of people about the top stressors in their life that cause worry? Do you, really, do you know that on the top of the list, number one was feeling abandoned or all alone? Was the top stressor in life. You can feel all alone in a crowd, even in a room like this. You can feel all alone. In fact, you might even feel lonelier when everybody's happy and there you are with a smile on your face, but inside you're dying. That's loneliness. Thank you. And look what the psalmist says. Because you, because you won't abandon my life to the grave, you won't let your faithful followers see the pit. You teach me the way of life and your presence is total celebration. Beautiful things are always in your right hand. Jesus Christ said he will personally never forsake you. When I gave my life to Christ, my testimony is I was empty and I could never be alone. I always had to have somebody on the phone. I always had to have somebody I'm hanging out with. I noticed that about myself. I hated being alone. I gave my life to Christ. That got filled up. I've never felt empty since and that was over 30 years ago emptiness left and one day it dawned on me i will never be alone again now i love being alone it might be because i have six kids that drive me completely insane i'm, I'm in a i'm in a round table right now a small group um uh, with a with a, a coach and the question is you know what do you like to do when you have your own time and i said be alone Leave me alone. <laughs> yeah. Anchor to my soul. Leave me alone. I should have put that as one of the anchors. Leave me alone. God's presence is manifest to us in many different ways. One of them is through uh, praise. We have a praise gathering coming up. I talked to you about it earlier this morning. That God's promise is that His presence comes whenever you praise. So when you're in the midst of anxiety, worry, stress, I'm telling you, if you could just learn to do this, stop and just begin to praise Him. Declare His name. You are Jehovah Rapha, my healer. You're Jehovah Jireh, my provider. You're Jehovah Rohi, my shepherd. You're Jehovah um, uh, Shama, the God who's always with me. You're Jehovah Nisi, my banner in the in battle. You start praising him, sing a song. I'm telling you, it just it, uh, changes your internal atmosphere. Your faith begins to increase. And then when we come together as a body of believers and we worship him and he comes, that's why we like setting aside periodically times for saturated worship. Well, we don't do announcements. You don't do preaching. You don't do baby dedications. Though I love baby dedications, Sims. I love it. So glad we did that today. But not during a praise gathering. And so... 
We have one coming up March 10th, Friday night, Trinity Church called and they said, hey, you guys want to join us? I said, absolutely. So part of our, our band's going to be with their band. We're going to come together for about an hour and a half on a Friday night and just worship Jesus. So you want to do that. That's part of our 40 days of hope to get into his presence. Another way God shows his presence, though, is through his supernatural involvement on a daily basis. I pray over the next 40 days that you and I will increase our awareness of how involved God is in our daily lives. Here's a great story for you, and this applies to you. So God's told us that we're in a new season. It's like a brand new church. And his presence is here, joy levels up, people getting saved, people getting baptized. I mean, it's just so wonderful. Right now we're in a, like a honeymoon. It's a brand new book. And so a couple of weeks ago, I was back uh, behind that curtain right there where it all happens. That's pre-service prayer. If you ever want to be part of pre-service prayer, 920 in the morning, we pray for a half hour right behind that curtain. And uh, Kathy Mancini, who's on our prayer team, she's, uh, she gets um, pictures in her mind. That's one of the ways that God communicates to us is in our imagination. That's why he gave us our imagination for holy, godly things, not for unholy things. So our imagination is uh, given to us by God, and he uses it. He'll communicate to you through your imagination. And so she gets pictures. She said, I'm getting a picture right now, and it's of a, it's of a full house. She said, I, I believe it's that this house is going to be full. Of people, but uh, but it's also a hand like in cards. It's a full house. How many of you know what a full house is in poker, right? Uh, two of a kind and three of a kind. Five cards, two of a kind, three of a kind. And she said, "But what's weird is, God says it's a winning hand, but it's two twos and three threes, and those are the lowest number cards you can have. Now, the most powerful full house would be what two kings and three aces." Right? At least give me two queens and three kings. But why, God, are you giving me two twos and three threes? I'll tell you why. I told him at that moment, I told the intercessors, stop, stop, stop praying. I mean, what pastor ever tells prayers to stop praying? He says, stop. I'm going to freak you out right now. Last night, my sister was over at my house, who's sitting in the back row right now. And uh, that's my sister. Everybody say hello, sister. Hello. Pastor John right over there. There she is. She loves being the center of attention. <laughs> And she said, tell me about the church. How's it going? I said, man, it is so great right now. And she said, that's awesome. We talked about it. And she said, okay, I want to teach you a new card game. And so Ava sat down and Sam sat down and Aunt Renee and I. And uh, she taught us this game. She said, in this game, you need to get three of a kind. And every time you get three of a kind, you set it down on the table. And the most powerful three of a kind are three threes. And the twos are wild cards, so you want to make sure you get twos too. I end up... With two twos and three threes, and we won the game. Okay, well, here's where you come in. You're the two twos and three threes. You're the winning hand. God said the Gathering Place Church right now has a winning hand. Okay, that's the presence of God. That lifts discouragement and gives hope, doesn't it? Well, that's a, pretty, that's a pretty dramatic example of God's presence in our lives. That doesn't happen every day, but little things happen every day. And we need to get aware, we need to become more aware of God's presence in our lives because it increases our hope that we're not alone. Can I hear an amen? Because if you say amen, I'll move on. All right, here we go. Number four. Stop. Number four. The fourth anchor during our 40 days of hope is the people of God. Now, I know church can be a place of pain. 
You know why? Because you're here. I mean, come on, get real. Hurt people, hurt people. We've all hurt somebody because we are imperfect people trying to become more like Christ. Is that true? Okay, you're not the only one that's been hurt. Don't want to show you my scars? Let me see your scars. Let me see. Anybody have any scars from a human being in your life? Raise your hand. Anybody ever hurt you before? Have you ever hurt somebody before? Let me see your hands. Come on, everybody. Oh, we've got two liars in the back, far right, over there. In fact, the only light that's working is we're shining right on them, so that must be the Lord. We've all hurt people, but the church is a place of pain because people come here. But it's also God's place of hope. It's the place of restoration. It's a place of forgiveness. Jesus said, the world will know you're my followers by the way you love one another. In other words, everybody's hurting each other. But when you, my people, forgive one another and love your enemies, people are going to go, wow, they are so different. Sorry, Lord, I thought you'd get a bigger amen on that one. Look what the Bible says in the book of Galatians 6.1. If someone falls into sin, forgivingly restore him. Save your critical comments for yourself. You might be needing forgiveness before the day's out. Stoop down and reach out to those who are oppressed. Share their burdens and so complete Christ's law. God's people are to be agents of hope. God expects you as a follower of Christ to be an agent of hope. One of my favorite verses is Psalm 118 says, God says, I am with you among those who are for you. I've been through, as you have, I'm sure, been through some devastating seasons in my life. And the people you thought were your friends, you find out weren't. And the people you never expected to be your friends become your friends. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that weird to watch that happen? And you can't control it. And God told me one time, when the death settles, you'll know who your true friends are. And it wasn't like with a chip on his shoulder or my shoulder. It was just a a fact. You'll know who your true friends are when the dust settles. And I was shocked at who my friends were and who they weren't. And God gave me the scripture during that season. I am with you among those who are for you. The next morning, I was doing a Bible study. And one of the young college students came up and he said, God gave me a scripture for you last night. He's with you among those who are for you. That great. It still it still didn't feel good, but I had my hope anchored in God rearranging my world, not me trying to fix everything, defend myself and right? Right? Just gotta say, God, you're in control, you're sovereign, you're my anchor. Let's see how this turns out. I'm thankful for people in the body of Christ like Lewis doing a financial peace university right now. For some couples in our family. Because if your finances aren't stable, you're not stable. We have a widow I wish my parents knew coming up, which is a parenting form. We've had 3,000 parents go through it. Where myself and some other pastors in the area have a couple partnered with uh, high school principals in our city, including the principal of this high school. And we put on parenting forms to help parent teenagers in a uh, very turbulent world. And uh, it, it is a source of hope. It's the body of Christ coming together. Stephanie Domingue uh, sent me... An email this week, Stephanie and Jerry, who said one of his uh, students who comes to uh, get guitar lessons from smoking hot 
Jerry Demink, and I mean smoking hot on the guitar, Jerry Demink. <laughs> just want to clarify, clarify. If Stephanie was talking, it would mean something different entirely, but I'm talking about his guitar playing. Why do I feel like I have to clarify myself with you people? Can I just trust you? No, I can't. I can only trust God. So, but this is an important point I'm going to make right here. I'm, yeah, yeah, well, she will. Hush. Okay, so listen. Yes, I know. I told you. I just told hope to hush. For those of you who don't know, this is my beautiful wife. Her name is Hope, and I was hopeless until I met her. <laughs> and she is smoking hot. All right. So, on this point, well, we're talking about God is my hope, not people, and yet I'm saying the people of God are a source of hope. People that say, I don't need anybody, I only need God. You're a very well-balanced human being. You have a chip on both shoulders. No, you do need people. Because the primary way God will come to you is through people. And if you isolate yourself, you isolate yourself from God. God gave Adam Eve. Adam had God. Isn't that enough? No. He said, it's not good that he's alone. I will give him someone to partner with him. That's the body of Christ. So, uh... Stephanie sent me an email saying that one of Jerry's students said that Jerry's relationship with him has saved his life. And and all he the only way he relates to Jerry is through guitar lessons. You see, the world is a hopeless place. And if you don't know Jesus, you don't have him anchored in your heart and all your hope is in this temporal world. It is going to fail you and disappoint you every time. Eventually, you'll be disappointed. And so here's a person that doesn't know Christ yet, coming for guitar lessons, and the hope that carry, the hope carrier that, that Jerry is, just by being himself and loving God, this guy just cleaves to him and says, your relationship as my guitar teacher has saved my life. So they bring him over to their home and pray over him, and, and uh, we're hoping to see him in church next Sunday. And this brings up the last point, and that is not only are the people of God the hope of God for one another. But the proclamation of the good news of God is the hope of the world. Sharing Jesus, the gospel, with a lost and dying world enables us to take the hope that we have and give it to others. Look what the Bible says. God says if you share this hope of Christ that you have in your life with others, you have beautiful feet. Look what this says. Now, how can they tell? How can they, how can they call on one in whom they have not believed? How can they believe in one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear unless someone proclaims him? And who will go tell them unless he sent? As the scripture puts it, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace. The gospel of peace. Boy, we need people preaching the gospel of peace in our world right now. Who bring glad tidings of good things. And First Peter says this. Be ready at any time 
to give a quiet and reverent answer. Man, that's my biggest prayer right now with this political divide and this chaos going on in our country. We can have difference of opinions, but you not only have to respect the opinions of others, you have to respect the person that is given the opinion. Jesus would never write almost everything that's written on Facebook. I read some of the, I read some of the most, from Christians, from some of you, to be honest, I've seen it. And I'm not your sheriff or your judge, but I'm just saying. I, look. Our job is to be bridge builders so that we can carry buckets of hope to people. And when you just want to prove your point, you just blew up your bridge. And instead of, and, and, and instead of um, you know, you won your argument and you lost a soul. I was talking to one person. I have an atheistic, a scientist, evolutionist, abortion-supporting um, friend from high school and she is just like she is just aggressive on facebook and always posting stuff that's just so inflammatory so i'm real careful at how i if i ever but this one time i said something to her and i said it respectfully she came back hard i came back respectfully and she kind of calmed down we were having this conversation and then one of my friends christian friend jumped on my line and said something aggressive and she just went radio silence. And so I met with my friend. I said, don't do that on my feed. Do it on your feed. Don't do that on mine. Don't jack my ministry. Right? <laughs> I was building a bridge with someone on the, quote, other side. Because respect and honor is, everybody feels honor and everybody feels dishonor. And when you're going to dishonor somebody, you've lost all hope of being a hope carrier to their life. Can I hear an Amen. That I'm talking about. So, during this 40 days um, of hope, we are going to have a workshop code called um, Gospel Conversations. I know that sharing your faith can be intimidating. But Stephanie Demink, who oversees our missions ministry here at the Gathering Place, is one of the best, if not the best, person I've ever met and communicating the gospel with people in a non-threatening way. So will you come up and share a little bit about what your workshop's going to be like? And I hope that everybody comes. Me too. Good morning. You guys, um, we have a winning hand. We have have really good news to share. And um, I recently heard a statistic that I just think about all the time. 62% a a research has been done. Uh, that says that 62% of people, if you invite them to church, they will not come. But they're not rejecting the Lord. 70% of that 62% who, they, who said they will not come to church, if they're invited, are open to spiritual conversation. <laughs> so we cannot rely on inviting people to church to win the world for Christ. We have got to be able to communicate who God is and why he is so good and how he changed our lives. So, um, I am a student of the gospel. I love to share Christ. Recently, I learned this new way of sharing that I think is just so good for our culture. It's called Three Circles. It's relevant. You can share it quickly, and it just kind of opens a door for a spiritual conversation. It's non-threatening, and I would love to be able to share it with you. So, we're going to have a workshop 
on Saturday morning, March 11th. We're going to be up praising all night and then learning how to share the gospel in the morning. So Friday night's the praise gathering. Saturday morning is the gospel conversations workshop. That's awesome. Right. Okay, so Saturday morning, 9.30 to 11 or so. Okay, I want to invite two groups of people. First of all, if you are new in the Lord, Jesus said, follow me. I will make you fishers of men. And what he means is he will use us, he will use me, he will use you. You can be one day old in the Lord, but you're like the woman at the well. well. Come, meet, come. you got to hear about this man who has told me everything about my whole life. So you have a circle of influence. And the whole town got saved. Right. New believers are, can be very fruitful. So come and learn how to share your faith. And we'll just build, we'll practice with each other. Confidence. We'll develop competence. And it's just going to be fun. We're going to have bagels too, okay? And coffee. <laughs> I, will, I will bribe. Okay, so if you're, if you're newer in the Lord and this is just kind of a new thing for you, come. Okay, then you might think, well, you know, I kind of know how to share. You know, I know the gospel. Well, I I mean, I do too, but I think this is a wonderful tool. And you know what? I have shared it already with lots of believers. It's super easy to teach someone how to do this. And I actually have a video of a 10-year-old doing it, and he knocks it out of the park. It's awesome. I shared it with my dad. He said, wow, thank you. I've been thinking about sharing with this relative, and I'm going to use this. So, um if you're new, come and learn. If you are experienced, come learn something new. I want to learn. We're all learning together. And um, I, the Lord has told me I'm in a new season. I want to impact lostness at home. Not just in India, at home. And he will use me and he will use you, but we have to be salty and we've got to throw our seed out there. If I share the gospel once a year, what are the chances I'm going to find good soil? Mm. Okay, so I want to increase my gospel sharing. Oh, another tool that I learned, 15-second testimony. You did it really good. I was timing you. Hey! (laughs) I didn't even tell him to do that. He just threw it in. 15-second testimony. Because you know what? If we're standing at Starbucks and you're telling me about a problem, I can just throw it I was empty. I gave my life to Christ. I'm not empty anymore. Yeah. Three seconds. Do you have a story like that? Do you have a story like that? It just starts a conversation, and it's non-threatening. I'm not talking about pouncing on people, and, you know, if people aren't open, then we don't share. But you could just throw something out, and then a lot of people will be open to that conversation. Yeah, that's so awesome. So please join us. Amen. <laughs> Forty days of hope. Okay, so let's, let's wrap this up this morning. It's just an introductory message. You can go to 40daysofhope.net. But here, here is my hope for all of us over the next 40 days. 40-day daily action steps. One, read the Bible every day. Break that thing out. Get, out, get your Bible app and start reading the promises of God every day over your life. And get your mind filled and anchor your mind with God's Word. Number two is pray the Lord's Prayer every day. Our Father who art in heaven. Go down that as an outline and begin praying that prayer every day. You can turn off the radio on your way to work. Pray the Lord's Prayer. It's an outline. We may do a little teaching on that. You can go online on our website, and I've done a little teaching on the Lord's Prayer. Use that Lord's Prayer as an outline to pray every day. Pray for your wife, your husband, your kids, your boss, your work environment. Pray for people that need to get saved. Pray for our nation. Pray for yourself. 
I mean, you can easily spend 15 minutes in prayer on the Lord's Prayer. Practice the presence of God. I pray that beginning today that you will begin to choose to see God every day, everywhere you go. He's with you and you are never alone. Number four, meet with the people of God. Over the next 40 days, get into a small group if you haven't done it yet. Get a prayer partner. Call a believer. Uh, if you work out, go to the gym with a believer. Get into community because that's where God is going to meet you is through his people. And then fifthly, proclaim the good news. I pray over the next 40 days that you share your faith with more people than you have in a very long time. And, and Stephanie's going to train you well how to do that. And if nothing else, do invite them to church. You weren't saying don't invite people to church, right? Okay, great. You're just saying your way's better. But, but do invite people to church. We'll have invitations for you for the Easter service. Begin praying for people who uh, have not yet come to Christ. That's good, Josh. I was right on time. So I want to say a couple of closing comments to you, and then I'm going to pray for you. Next week, we're going to do the baptism. We're going to do eat and greet. Next Sunday's family Sunday. We have all the kids in here. And then we're going to baptize very quickly and then move over to the cafeteria. We're going to have eat and greet and, and develop the community and warm up our church through loving one another. It's going to be great. But I want to say a couple of closing comments to you. In Christ, we are never a hopeless people. Hopelessness and God cannot coexist. God is not hopeless. He is the God of hope. And we are the people of God. Even if a single thing on this side of heaven, between now and the time you go to heaven, never works out for you again, you still have eternal hope in Christ Jesus. Jesus said, They that believe in me, though you die, you will live. You have the hope of heaven. This place is temporary. Let's not get so wrapped up in it. Get our tentacles all sucked onto the earth. Let's get our tentacles sucked into God. How about that for a word picture for you? So if you've already given your life to Christ, I want to ask you a question. And I want you to ask yourself this question this morning. Where are you placing your hope? Get honest with yourself for a moment. Where are you placing your hope? Is it in politicians? Is it in people? Is it in your possessions and your retirement fund? Is it in your position? These are all going to change. But God will never change. If you're a follower of Jesus and today's message has revealed to you, to yourself, that your hope has been misplaced. And you can tell by your level of anxiety, fear, anger, frustration, disappointment. That, that, that level of that shows you where your hope is. Because when your hope, and I'm preaching to myself, when our hope is in God and God alone, our joy goes up. Our peace goes up. Our kindness goes up. Our kingdom focus goes up. So that's your litmus test. Ask yourself. Ask yourself this morning, where am I truly putting my hope while I traverse this temporary earth?